The Easter Psalm reading this morning is from Psalm 118, verses 1 through 2 and 14 through 24. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. There are glad songs of victory in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has punished me severely, but he did not give me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteousness shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and that you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This reading of God's holy word. Amen. I wonder, what have you been doing while you've been in quarantine? I found that as I talk to folk in the church and connect with our staff, that there is a dividing line uh, there are some of us who are very busy, and there are some of us who are not. I wonder, what are you doing during quarantine? I think for many of us, we find brief moments where we are still. We find, um, some of us find that there is a lot of time for reading, for writing, for watching TV, for listening to Facebook, now, there are some of us who are overly active, uh, probably because of young children in the home, and my prayer is for you. But today I may be speaking more so to people uh, who have a lot of time on their hands. There's something about having a lot of time on your hands that um, need to sit still, that need to move. My home office these days is in the front of the house. Uh, my desk faces three beautiful windows. Those windows face out to the uh, front yard and beyond to the sidewalk and the road. And I have to tell you, I am surprised at how many people must live on my street and how many of them go for multiple walks during the day. It's almost like we have this nervous energy, this need to do something and to do it now. And so I wonder, what have you been doing during quarantine? I find that there are large expanses of time and that that time can disappear for me only to realize that all the things that I should have done, I have not yet done at all. So for me, 
quarantine often feels like a whole lot of sitting still. Now, sitting still isn't a new thing. Uh, I think in the church, we have come to the realization that um, praying first before acting is always an important step. I've often realized that to those who don't believe or don't have a faith life, that praying looks like you're doing nothing. And so in those moments of high energy and crisis and critical action, Christians may look like they have pushed the pause button. When we look at scripture, there are a number of places and spaces where the message, the command, the, um, God's message to God's people is to stand still. If you're a biblical scholar, then you would know that uh, the story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 of King Jehoshaphat, um, he sees an army coming far off. He knows not how he'll be able to defend Jerusalem from it. And so he gathers together the whole of the kingdom into the temple and he prays. He prays to God. He says, I'm afraid and fearful. How will we ever defend this large army that's coming to attack us? And God speaks. God speaks through the choir director. You hear that, David Hill? Speaks through the choir director and says, this is not your fight. Stand still and, and witness your salvation. I think it's powerful there that King Jehoshaphat doesn't make his fear the whole of the story. He, he doesn't whine or complain. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't build an alliance with somebody. But instead, he asks the one who provides, what should I do? And the one who provides says, stand still and witness your salvation now, the story goes on, I encourage you to read it. Um, the story goes on that Jehoshaphat actually um, puts his people out onto the battlefield, but he leads with the choir members. And they sing praises to God in the midst of the battle as they see God deliver them. The story of um, uh, Joshua and the city of Jericho is another story of stand there and watch. Of course, this is preceded first by the blowing of a horn all about the city and the walls of Jericho fall. And of course, probably the most powerful uh, story, uh, the one that kind of uh, births all of these others is the story of the Passover itself. That story of God rescuing the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, by walking them through the Red Sea. I, I wanna take a few moments to walk through that passage with you. Now, previous to uh, verse 19, you get this picture of the Israelites. You see, Pharaoh has freed them and also given them reparations for all of their work that they've done in Egypt. 
So the Israelites are free and kind of wealthy. And they are camped there on the side of the Red Sea. They are uh, talking about how they will make the journey into the promised land. And all of a sudden, the army of Egypt comes upon them. Now, the surprise here is that the Israelites and Moses thought that they had been freed. They thought they were done with Egypt. They thought they were ready to go to the promised land, only to find out that the Pharaoh had changed his mind and was ready to round them up and bring them back. Moses tells them, God will deliver us. Uh, He he gives that message uh, that God had said, stand still. Stand still and watch. You see, the the Israelites had come to be familiar and would become more familiar with this idea of God leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so in this moment, that pillar of fire that was there uh, at the head of their camp uh, began to move back to the back of their camp. And God gave a message to Moses that that you have stood still long enough, it is time to move. And when that message of movement came, uh, you, you could then go verse by verse, that when that pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took a place behind them, It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel. And so the cloud was there with the darkness and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. So what separated the army of Egypt from the Israelites was that pillar of cloud. But notice the text tells us that it was night. Now, I know when you go out in your backyard in the middle of the night, um, there's enough light to see. But imagine if there wasn't the city around you. Imagine if you were in the, the middle of the wilderness, maybe next to a lake. That here in this story, the dark was darkness, but God's uh, pillar of cloud was a light in the moment. Moses then stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. Uh, I want to remind you that for the Israelites, for their uh, way of thinking about the world around them, that any time one traveled on the sea, They worried about the chaos of what might happen. Sea travel was not as um, credible or reliable as one would hope. And so the idea of going uh, on a boat to travel to another place was uh, tempting fate. It was tempting the chaos of the world. And so as the Lord drove the sea back, he drives back the chaos. The Israelites went into the sea onto dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued 
and went into the sea after them. Now, um, at the morning watch, the Lord and the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw it into panic and then moved to the front of the column. There are a series of reversals here in this story. Uh, There is the, you're free and we give you money, reversed to be, we want you back. And then there's the reversal of stand still and watch the deliverance of God. And then, okay, it's time to move. There's the reversal of um, your, your way is blocked by the sea. And then God divides the sea. You have the reversal of God is leading the camp and then goes to the back of the camp to separate them from the Egyptian army. And then, of course, you have uh, the Israelites being told to walk into the sea on dry land. Now, I want you to get a a picture of that narrative for a moment. You're an Israelite. You're in the middle of the column. You're walking down into the sea on dry land. There is a wall of water on your right and your left, and there is a fiery column that is behind you and now moving in front of you. And you can hear the sounds of chariots and swords and shields of the Egyptian army behind you. Watery death to either side, certain death behind you, and an unknown future that God has clearly said, it's time to move. What a powerful story. The story goes on to say um, that uh, then, on verse uh, 26, then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at dawn, the sea returned to its normal depth. Another reversal, what was dry land for the Israelites become a watery death for the Egyptian army. And notice when it happens. It happens with the rising sun, with the new day. So Moses stretched out his hand, and as the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. The water returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers and the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained, but the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the Egyptians. That powerful Passover story it's a story that, that offers reversals. It offers places where um, one thing is said, one thing is described, and then that thing becomes something else. It's interesting, the rabbis pick up on this, and in their teaching about this Exodus story, they often teach it as a story of trust and safety. 
In fact, there's one uh, story in the Midrash that talks about a father and his son that are walking along uh, a narrow path in the middle of the night, and the father yearns to keep his son safe. So the little boy walks behind him as they walk on the narrow path so that the father might protect them. And then as the father senses that there is a thief behind them, he pulls the little boy and has him walk in front of him. And as they walk along for a while, the father senses that there is a wolf up ahead. And so he pulls the boy and has him walk uh, behind him again. And then um, the father senses that there is not just a wolf in front of them, but a thief behind them. And so he picks up the little boy, places him on his shoulders and walks with him, walks with him to safety. Now the little boy later on asks, why did you have me in front and then in back and then on your shoulders? If the little boy was trying to figure this out for himself, it would feel as if he was being jostled about at the whim of his father. But with a measure of trust, the boy realizes that the father is keeping him safe. I know this is a strange time. I don't think I have ever preached Easter to an empty sanctuary. I'm sure you have probably never celebrated Easter, maybe in your pajamas. I imagine that this is a strange world. When we get beyond the um, interesting idiosyncrasies, we then begin to look at the rate of unemployment. We look at um, the, the amount of quarantine and social distancing. We look at all of these things and it is easy to feel as if we are Jehoshaphat, un, unaware of how we will ever survive. Or maybe with so much uncertainty that as the different messages come from our different officials, we might feel as if we're the young boy jostled about. I'm often reminded that for the Easter story to happen, there has to be three days of silence. Three days of silence. It's easy for us to go through those three days because we know how the story ends. But think about those disciples, terrified. They've run some into uh, that upper room and locked the door. Uh, for others, they're hiding in homes. They're unsure what will become of them. If Jesus was hunted down and arrested, will they come for them next? I have often said over and over again throughout my ministry, when confronting folk who have difficult uh, crisis in their lives and they wonder when God will show up, I remind them that sometimes it takes a little while, that it took a little while at Easter. It took three days, but God spoke life into death 
that God created a renewal, that God um, had a reversal, that God was willing to make resurrection happen in something that appeared to be lost, dead, and forgotten. I hope that you'll remember that these days, that in the midst of this uh, social distancing, quarantine, the fear of uh, the virus, the struggle to find resources, all that's going on in your life. If you're wondering where is God today, God is as close as our breath and that God is speaking life into our situations. The God is the God of new beginnings, of resurrection. That is what we celebrate today on Easter. We celebrate it every Sunday, recognizing that what God has done for us is to create new life, new beginnings. I want to close with one story. It's a story from, or a quote from Henry Nouwen. We've talked about Henry Nouwen before here at Chapelwood. Nouwen is a, a spiritual director, um, Harvard-educated uh, theologian, a wonderfully intelligent man, and a prolific writer. Uh, Nouwen talks about uh, the gifts and talents of trapeze artists. Hang on, stay with me. Um, We often think about trapeze artists as the ones, the one who flies, right? It always takes a pair, right? There's the one who swings and is considered the catcher, and then there's the one who flies. The one who flies is often seen, it, it, it catches your eye. These people flip in the air, um, single, double, triple, quadruple. It is amazing to see. But Nouwen says what's the most powerful talent and gift, the quality that's needed in a trapeze artist's uh, teamwork is trust. You see, it's not the most amazing thing that the flyer flies. What's amazing is that the catcher catches and that the flyer knows it. You see, in some regards, the catcher has to stay still, has to be right in the right place at the right time so that the flyer might be caught. Friends, in this time of quarantine and social distancing, feel free to continue to fly, but know that the one who catches is trustworthy and that all the flying that we might do on our own will mean nothing unless we trust in the one who'll catch us. So on this Easter morning, Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And sometimes the best that we know is to stand still to stand still and pray, to stand still and uh, have that Zoom call with your older relative, to stand still and to be faithful, to stand still and to trust, to trust that in a few moments, God will say it's time to move until that time comes. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.